Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Oh, that, oh look at that. Green is on. Nothing is off. Quick. I am quick. So we are in this series, as Chris read, just read, and this generosity flows. And it, it really has to do about this be and do. And, and this tension that we have as Christians, or that we should walk in, of being in Christ Jesus and doing what God called us to do. James 1 says this, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. I mean, that sounds pretty foundational. Do what this word says, and your life will go well before you. Maybe not the way you think it should go, but do what it says. And there's do has everything to do with the relationship with Jesus. And this summer, I am challenging us as a church, as a congregation. If you call this your home, then what I am asking is that you would receive, that you would pray about, and that you'd walk in this. But I am challenging us as a church around three things specifically. One, generosity flows out of our meals. Two, generosity flows out of our giving. And three, generosity flows out of our stories. What we said last week was this, how beautiful are the feet that bring the gospel of Christ to those who don't know him. We love this scripture. We've been talking about this scripture in Romans 10, 15. But the problem is, is that we've got to actually put some do to it. What does that mean, the feet bringing you know, the good news of the gospel. And we're doing that through these three ways. Last week we talked about meals and what happens when you have a meal together. And uh, there's something about eating old McDonald's eggs that just makes me real happy. Um, Soggy, whatever that's supposed to be, hash browns also, and then coffee in a wine glass. Doesn't get any better than that, does it? Mmm. Cold coffee in a wine glass? How can it get any better than that? But what we said last week was this. That, uh, sorry, what we said last week was this. And what we looked at is the nine meals that Jesus had with others through the scriptures. And, and, and what we established was there's something that takes place at a meal table. There's something that takes place at the dining room table that doesn't happen in all other places. There's something that happens with your children when they sit at this table with you and you have a meal. Their defenses fall down. We said last week that there are two places that are critical for your kids. One at the dining room table and two is late night with mom. Now notice I said late night with mom because dad goes to bed at eight or nine. Come on, stay with me, that was funny. Chris will stay up to one or two in the morning. Why? Because there's something that happens in the intimacy with your children laying in bed with them or when they come home. Plus you can check and see if they're drunk. So that's a good sidebar. <laughs> what do you mean what? Oh, okay, your kids are the only ones that you never had to check to see, huh? Uh, yeah, well mine I had to check, thank you. 
Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> but we, we talked about this meal table and how things flow out of it, conversation flows. So what we asked is that one of the things we're asking you to do over the summer is to have a meal with someone that, that is a neighbor, that is a friend, maybe someone in this church, but you invite someone in to your table that you have these conversations with. Because what happens here is that somehow as you're eating a, a, a biscuit or whatever you're eating, the defenses fall down and, and, and conversations come up about life. And you just start talking. So what we're, we're asking you over the summer is for three months, June, July, and August, and we're hoping you'll pull it into your lifestyle as a whole, is that you'll engage in these, these meals with others. This week, we're talking about giving. Why is the table significant when talking about giving? Giving. Because significant conversations happen at the dinner table. Sometimes the kids take off, and mom and dad sit there, or we do, and uh, we have conversations that get a little deeper. And when we talk about this topic, when we look at this topic of giving, if you're a guest here today, gosh, you picked the wrong Sunday, or maybe you didn't. Maybe you picked the right Sunday, because we're talking about giving. Now, let me qualify that, because if you know me, and if you've been in this church long enough, you know, and this is actually an indictment on me as a pastor, I don't talk about this enough. It is very important it is, it is, we see it throughout scriptures. And I get uncomfortable. Oh, they just think I want their money and all these things. And look, I've watched God for 26 years meet our needs as a family. I don't need your money. Neither does God. He doesn't. If you walk out these doors and never come back to this church, God, I, I hope you don't, but I'm going to be fine. I don't know about your heart, but I've watched God take care of us. Giving, it's, it's always this, ah, cringeworthy. Let me give you some statistics. 4% of all Christians tithe 10% of their income. Let's just get this off the table. Before taxes, after taxes, I don't care. I don't care. But 4%, Blackaby, statistically, and then I saw another one with Barna, but I couldn't find it, that said it was somewhere like 6%. But truly give 10% of what they earn. <sighs> See some people sweating already. Okay, here we go. What keeps us from giving? Here's some of the things that keep us from giving. 38% say they can't afford it. 33% say they have too much debt. 18% said that their spouse does not agree about tithing. Some interesting statistics that we see. I, I want to tell you a little bit, because we're, we're at our family table here, about how this church, and this is, uh, I, I say this humbly, I'm, I'm not bragging, although I am incredibly blown away and proud of what God has been able to do through this church, but how has generosity flowed out of giving at PPC? Now, if, if we're at the be and do things. I can sit up here and talk all day, but if I'm not doing what I'm asking you to do, please don't come to this church. Let me clarify that. That doesn't mean I won't screw up and not do something. You don't get to leave because I screwed up once or twice. I'm saying if you see a pattern in my life of selfishness, of not giving, 
of self-centeredness, of no humility, probably the wrong church. Does that make sense? So when I look at our church, you know, and, and how the generosity has flowed out of a small church, a, a church that during COVID, I mean, poor Melvin, I remember when you preached uh, back Christmas, whatever, there's what, 12 people there? I'm like, I left town and go, all right, Melvin, have fun. And like, nobody, you know, and we preached to a few people and we've been going for several years. How the heck does this church make it? It shouldn't. I believe that prayer and our heart to give are two of the key reasons. Uh, we've been able to support this local church. We have, we have watched men and women discipled. Salvations, we've seen a number of salvations and baptism. Marriages, we've walked through marriages with people and, and we've married people. And Kaiser Elementary, we, we, we used to give them money for certain projects. There's a family there at Kaiser Elementary that needs help with a child that needs a, a doctor. And, and each month, or I don't know, it may even be more than that. I think it's bi-weekly. We help support and pay for this doctor to see this child. Um, church planting, we've helped plant, I think when I was counting like six different churches, and there's another one we want to plant, Abraham over there, and Yomi, I, I want to keep planting churches. Vehicles, we've given away, I counted in the last several years, five different vehicles, whether it be to moms or families or to individuals that had a need, and you guys are the reason because of your generosity, and this church just wants to give out individuals that we've helped with, whether it be rent or with a payment or something, God has allowed us and put us in a place, in, and I I'll, I'll look at the, the offering. Eddie and I laugh because we'll, we do the offering and we look at it and we go, how the heck does this 600 bucks equate to that? I don't know. Now, let me give you a sidebar here. Uh, the majority of the people that are giving right now give online. So w when we used to freak out and go, oh my gosh, $600, wow. Um, what, what are you going to realize is that everything's changing. I encourage you to give online. That's why we have the QR codes. Two reasons. One, I think it's easier. Two is because some of you will forget and it'll just keep giving. <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> uh, missions. We have, we have two specific missionaries that, that we support, which I, I repent that I have not been very good about talking about. We've got a young lady who does uh, missions on a campus back in uh, uh, Alabama. And then we have another one that, that is traveling and doing some mission work. So, so uh, these are things that this little church has done with the generosity in which God has given us. Generosity flows. So what's a tithe? Now, most of you are going, I've heard this one. What's a tithe? A tithe would be, be taking this McDonald's fine dinner and taking a tenth. I don't even know what a tenth. It's, it's a piece of bacon. It's, it's a part of this, this, whatever that is, soggy thing. And, and, it, and it's putting it aside and giving it to others. It's taking a piece of what I own, what I have. Now, that's interesting. Do you really own it? A piece of what's in front of me that, that is in my hands and saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that back. And here's what it, it literally means. A tithe is a portion, 10% of your income given to an offering to your local church. The word literally comes from the Hebrew. Leviticus 27, 30 says this, a tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or fruit, is the Lord's and is holy. It says that the tithe, the 10%, is holy. And if it's holy, that means something. I'll show you. Here's the key. This is, is I, I, you, you really got to grab a hold of this. 
Tithing isn't about the 10%. Tithing isn't about the money. It's about a spiritual discipline and heart. Tithing is more of a spiritual topic than a financial one. It's not about the money. It's about the heart. It's about what owns you and what doesn't own you. It's about an attitude of blessing and blessing others. It's about an understanding that it's really not yours. That's, that's tithing. So when you come into this message and you start to cringe, know that you're not cringing about the 10%, you're talking about a spiritual matter. And it's that mind, sh- you know, set and that change that really is huge for us. So let's look at this. The be and do tension we talk about, you know, being in Christ and doing what Christ has called us to. We could say the law and the grace is another way that we can say it. And the law says this, we're always trying to do something in order to get a blessing. I'm going to take the tenth and put it over here so that I can get even more. I'm going to do, do, do so I can get. That's the law. But grace says this, I am already blessed. And I respond, because I am. I, I, I have something, so how do I not give it out? How do, I, how do I not take the biscuit and give it to, oh, Addie, good catch. I knew you were hungry. I could see it in your eyes. How do I not take it and give it out? Because I have it. It starts with the mindset, the be and do, the tension. You've got to be really clear here. I don't give because God says you've got to give. Although God tells me to give. I give because of what God did for me. He first gave. And then I give back. Let me give you the four. I'm going to give you just four great lies the enemy tells you about you and your money. There's more, but these are the four that I like. (laughs) Because the Bible says this in John 8. When he lies, he speaks, bless you, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of all lies. That's the enemy. The father of all lies. Too many times we listen to him. Well, here's the four things. Number one, great lie. It's all mine. All this money is mine. Now, here's the problem with that. When we look at Matthew 25, very clearly, I don't have time to get deep into it. God gives us what we have. And then here's what he says. Steward it. I'm going to ask you someday what you did with what I gave you. So all the money that you have, all the gifts that you have, all the finance, everything that you have is for you to steward. It's not yours. It's not yours. Job 33, 4, the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. If God is God, it is not yours. If God is the creator of heaven and earth, if the next breath that you draw upon has been given to you by God, do you really think it's yours? If you walk out these doors today and you don't know if you're going to live or die, now we don't think that way, but literally we could walk out these doors and it can be over. You have no clue. Do you really think it's yours and you're in control? Absolutely not. If God is God, and I happen to believe he is, it's not mine. He just said, hey, John, can you steward this? Can you be a steward of this? Number two, I'll be happy with just a little bit more. Just a, NPR did a study. Uh, it's probably been about eight, 
10 years ago. From top to bottom, the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor, they asked, what do you need to be happy? To a T, which I find fascinating, it said this. People, the richest of the rich and the poor. If I could just 20% more. Just 20% more. I was richest of the rich, poorest of the poor. To, to a T, 20% more. If I could just get 20, I'll be happy. I'll be happy. It's insatiable. If you're chasing it, 1 Timothy 6.6, 6. but godliness with contentment is, is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. You brought nothing. You didn't choose anything. Boom, you show up. And we take nothing out of it. Nothing goes with us. But if you have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Number three. Oh, this is a good one. When I have more and I make more and when I finally get a good job, then I'll start tithing. That's when I'm going to do it. I love this quote from Zig Ziglar. He says this, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. You don't have to uh, be great to start, but you have to uh, start in order to be great. Look, I, for some of you here, you're going, oh, I, I don't, you know, well, I've got to get this job. I've got this. I'm, what I'm saying is this, trust God to step out in faith. That's a bold statement. Very difficult for some of us. All of us. Mark 10 says this. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Uh, Melvin preached a great message on this three weeks ago, two weeks ago, about this very thing. I've got too much here, but if I just get a little bit more, then I will tithe. And disheartened. Disheartened. Some people will walk out of here today. Disheartened. Sorrowful because they had possessions. Number four. This is a great one. Every, you know, I give my time and that's the same thing as giving my money. You know, the time I spend in here, that's valuable. Well, no, time is time and money is money. Two separate things. When you give to a church that you believe in, you connect in a higher manner in the cause. It, it is, it's, 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 it's your, your time, your talent, and your treasure. And the, the, the truth of this idiom is this. Put your money where your mouth is. If this is your church, put your money where your mouth is. And that sounds pretty bold and it sounds kind of, I don't know what it sounds like. Standing up here and saying it sounds something. But it's like, yeah, put your money where your mouth is. You know why I can say that? Because of my history with God and I've seen him. I've seen him do miraculous things in my life. When it should not work out. It is a lie. I give my time. And that's the same. No, you should give your time. And you should give of your finances. Over 2,000 years, two truths. Uh, what are the two truths? Look, there are many truths over thousands of years, 2,000 years, that theologians have been wrestling through, arguing about. Church splits over. Charismatic gifts. Giving. And the giving is like, oh, that's Old Testament. And they'll say, no, it's, it's a fulfillment. It's New Testament too. No, there's no requirement of the tithe. That was just for the Levites in the storehouse. And then, then there's a whole other camp. No, it still applies today. And they build their, there's these two truths that run parallel to one another that we don't know where they intersect. But this side of heaven, we won't know. But they intersect somewhere. Truth lies in there somewhere. We just don't know where it is. But it's truth nonetheless. And what happens is we get so, this is it and I'm going to stand on this. This is it and I'm going to stand on this. 
and we miss the whole issue of the heart. Let me give you some tithes, views on tithing. Views on tithing. Number one, it's an Old Testament practice. Anybody hear that one? It's Old Testament. Not today. Jesus abolished it all. It's Old Testament practice. The Lord was talking to the Levites. This is what one would say. And not the congregation. He would say this. The storehouse was exactly what it said. A house to store tithes. Under the law, tithes were never money. They were primarily crops and animals. Huh. Well, if you think about it and you look at it, that's how most trade happened. Now, here's the issue with that argument on tithing. Matthew 5. Because Jesus said this, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. Then he does this. It's really interesting because we go, 10%, it doesn't say 10%, it doesn't say, you know, all these things. But what does Jesus do in Matthew 5? And I can't go deep into the scripture, but he deals with anger, lust, divorce, oaths, and love your enemy. Okay, he, all those topics are hit in this Matthew 5. Now what does he do? He takes the Old Testament truth of these and he raises the bar. In the Old Testament, okay, in the Old Testament, he said, if you committed adultery, you're in sin. In the New Testament, he says, if you even look upon a woman with, with lust in your heart, it's sin. He just took the bar and moved it way up here. He says in the Old Testament, if you murder your brother, it's sin. What does he say in the New Testament? He says, if you have hate in your heart, you're in sin. See, so Jesus takes all of these Old Testament principles and he elevates them to a whole nother level that he knows we can't keep apart from the Holy Spirit. So if Old Testament is 10%, that's just the floor where I start because Jesus is elevating. And in fact, Jesus is saying this, everything that you have is mine. It's not yours. That's the argument against, one of the arguments against it's an Old Testament practice. Number two, tithing views. Jesus affirms the tithe. The other side of the camp, one side of the camp is Old Testament. It's not today. We're under grace. The other side is this, that Jesus affirms the tithe, which he does very clearly. We see in Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. He's getting ready to rip them, but he starts with this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe, wait a second here. He's talking about the tithe, New Testament. For you tithe with dill and cumin, and you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, just and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. What is he saying? He's saying this. Look, you are to tithe. That's not a bad thing, but you're neglecting the really good things, the things of mercy and justice with others. Now what's the issue or where's the problem with this one? You don't see Jesus talk about it again. He, 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 or he doesn't get specific and talk about the tithe again. But let me tell you this. When you understand authority, when you understand headship, when you understand that when my dad said something to me, he didn't have to say it ten times. He had to say it one time. And if I didn't do or act accordingly, boom. There he is, right there. I, I still fear those knuckles. <laughs> Can't get away with that today, but gosh, I, it, I didn't fear him. But there's a healthy, when my dad spoke, I tried to obey. 
So the fact that Jesus didn't say it throughout Scripture, there are several things that Jesus said once that aren't affirmed throughout all of the New Testament. Um, and, and, but it still does not neg- negate the fact that it's true. Number three. Uh, this is a good one. Why do you rob God? Have you ever heard this one preached? Why do you rob God? This is great. Malachi 3. The main, just the heart of tithing scripture says this. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are you robbing me? In the tithes and offerings, you're under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Very clearly here, God says, Look, if you're not tithing, you're robbing me. That's a right in the face. Now, let's look at the issue with that. We use it as manipulation. Pastors, we're good at this. We're good at standing up in here and going, Look, you're robbing God. How can you rob God? He won't be able to pay the bills this month. Come on, it's kind of funny because God doesn't pay bills. He owns it all. You're robbing God and the curse is going to fall on your house. Uh, you start going, what curse? You start freaking out and throwing money into the basket or the boxes back there. It's, it's easy to take some of these scriptures and just, just subtly as a pastor just kind of, well, you're not getting the blessing in your life, brother. Maybe you're dealing with that depression because you're not giving, brother. Hey, sister, maybe you don't have a husband because you don't honor God and you don't give. Have you ever heard those? I have. It's manipulation. It's not God. Let me tell you what is true. This scripture. See, context and grace and mercy is true. Number four, tithing views. Put the Lord to the test. Put the Lord to the test. I love this. Nowhere else in scripture does God say test me. Nowhere else in scripture does God say test me. But here in Malachi 3, part of that same uh, text, it says test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That's mind-blowing. What's the issue with that one? You don't believe it. The issue is the church does not believe it. The issue is that, oh, that's a nice verse in Malachi. But I don't believe it. And if I give, uh, 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 if I give more food to Eddie, pancake, if I, if I, there's no way this is filling back up. Do you need syrup? Okay. See, the principles of this word are true. They're true. Why? Because the creator of heaven and earth is the one who spoke them. And if a principle wasn't true, then it'd be a lie. And if it was a lie, then this whole thing would be useless. But we don't believe. We're not willing to step out and go, okay, I'm going to put the Lord to the test. Now, contextually, this is, this is for those of you who don't tithe. He's saying, test me in this. I've watched God. I've tested him over and over again. It it, it is, sometimes it's like, okay, I'm going to take that step off the the cliff. Let's see what what happens. 
tithe of you, number five, name it and claim it. This is one of my favorite. In a sarcastic way. <laughs> in a non-Christian way. You know, the, the, the gosh, I, I, I'm not mocking what kind of. The TV evangelist, you know, the, 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 you know, for 29.95, you get a prayer towel that I wipe the sweat off my brow with. And if you just name it and you wipe it on that hurt area in your body, things are going to get better. And if you just ask God and you just, you stand on that word and you tell him what you need and that new car and that new house and that new woman and that new man, whatever it is, he'll give it to you. <laughs> Which one? See, it, 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 look at what scripture says, John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, and the Father may be glorified to the Son. If you just take that and just stand on that, sure, cosmic vending machine. But the context of that scripture is this, that your heart is aligned with his. And when your heart is aligned with the creator of heaven and earth, the things that I want and the things that I ask for seem to change a little bit. Context. What's the issue? It's the Jesus in the bottle syndrome. That he's, like I said, my cosmic vanity machine. He's just, okay, Jesus, I need this. And you rub the bottle and poof, the genie comes out and goes, here you go, because you're such a great person. You know how many people are shipwrecked because of this? Do you know how many Christians that I know that because this was preached and it just breaks my heart because someone has preached this knowing will, knowingly or unwittingly that a pastor has spoken these words do you know how many people have fallen away from God because of man and it breaks my heart because it's not true number six the truth is this it's a heart issue tithing, giving it's a heart issue. Now, look at this, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Whoa, he didn't say 10%. Each one must give as he has decided. Now, that sounds good. I'm deciding to give 0.007% this year. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What's the issue with that? Heart. When we look at that statistic that Blackaby gives us is 4%, truly tithed 10%, the issue is there's a heart issue in the church. Because as we said, Jesus said in Matthew 5 that, that he took everything to another level. The floor where I begin is 10%. And then I go beyond and I keep giving and I can't outgive God. And I've watched it and I've seen it and, 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 and God's faithfulness when we've done it. It's a heart issue. Giving is a heart issue. It's a lordship heart issue. It's this, Acts 2.36. This Jesus whom you've crucified, therefore let all of Israel be assured, God has made this Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Messiah. I talk about it often. Yes, he's the ticket to heaven. Yes, he's the Messiah. But he's also Lord of my life. And if he's just the ticket, then I don't need to do anything else. That is cultural Christianity. I show up twice a month. I tip God in the offering. I, I help old ladies across the street. I do all these things. That's, that is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about lordship and lordship is this. That everything you own is given to you by God. You don't own it. 
And if it's stressing you out, if money is stressing you out, if you're worried about what this and that and do I have enough and why don't I have a house or why don't I have a car or why don't I have all these things, look, we've got to go to the heart issue because more money is not going to answer it. Some of the, the, the most miserable people I know are people that have plenty of money. Miserable. Doesn't answer the questions because it's a heart issue. And getting my heart right with God, trusting Him, trusting God, makes all the difference in the world. It will change your life. I could not be in this ministry today if God didn't deal with the heart. That doesn't mean I don't have times and moments where I, ah, but it means this. At the end of the day, with her, and united around this heart issue of it's all God's. It's all His. Let me finish with this. <laughs> so why do I give? Why do I give? I'm going to talk about me personally. Why do I give? Number one, why I give, it keeps my heart right, just what we said. It keeps my heart right. I don't always want to give. There's times when I'm writing the check. I still do the checks. There's times when I'm writing the check, I'm like, man, I, we, we need to take care of this. But Proverbs 3, 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. And there's a lot of things I don't understand financially. I don't understand how the heck I live in Orange County with five kids, a grandbaby, as a preacher. I don't understand it. And as you can see, we haven't missed any, I haven't missed any meals. I'm blessed. I, it keeps my heart in this place. I'm just going, okay, God, it's yours. Look, it's directly tied to calling, too. God has called me to be here. God has called each of us to do something. He's created, it says in Psalm 139, he sets our steps out before us before one of them come to be. And, and, and when you walk in the calling of God, what happens is you'll see the grace will follow you to do what God has called you to do. God, in other words, let me give it the way that I like to say it. God pays for that which he orders. He's ordered your steps, and he will pay for them. You just got to walk as he's called you to walk. Number two, why do I give? Obedience. Trying to be obedient. Deuteronomy 15, 11 says this. For there will never cease to be the poor in the land. Therefore, I command you. I'm not asking you. I command you. You shall open wide your hands to your brother. To the need. To the poor in your land. I, it is easy for us to be beating the areas that aren't difficult. For some of you, it's easy for you not to cuss. I'm being obedient because I don't curse. I struggle in this a little. Not my most obedient area, but I'm working on it. For some of you, the obedience of giving, ah! Nonetheless, God has called us to be obedient every aspect of our lives. For some of you, it's your sex life. For some of you, it's anger. For many of us, it's here. And, but I, 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 to be a pastor, to do what I, I, God has called me to do, I, I need to, as best I can, to be obedient in these areas. Giving's one. I couldn't stand up here. In fact, I pastored a church and, and a while back, and in that church, several leaders were not giving. Yet I would stand up there every week and ask for people to give their tithes. 
and, and money was really not good at the time, so I looked at the tithing record. I was going, oh, God, he looks at the tithing record. God calls me to be a steward of the people that he's placed with me. I'm not saying I've looked at your tithing record. I'm not saying I haven't. <laughs> but what I found, there's these key elders, and they're not even given to the church. And I went to the next elders meeting and said, guys, and I wrote a, a, a five-page position paper on giving and handed it to him and said, either we're going to change what we believe is a church or I'm going to stop asking and, and standing up there being a liar. Because it starts here. Obedience. Obedience. By the way, sidebar, if you're interested in that paper, I, I would love to, to give it, make it available to you guys. So, um, number three, why do I give? I can't afford not to. That, that just, it's so counterintuitive. I cannot afford not to. Luke 6, 38. Given, it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with measure you use, it will be measured to you. I cannot afford not to give because I've watched God's faithfulness. And I live in Orange County with five kids and a grandbaby. And, and, and a church that's, that's not mega, that, you know, I'm... I've got another job. It, it just, it is what it is. I can't afford not to. See, because I believe that God says when he says, test me in this, he means it. So I'm like, I'm going to give. Why? Because I've watched God's faithfulness. I don't give to get, but here's what I know. As I've given, I've watched God faithful in my life. I've watched, again, uh, uh, this is a tribute to God. I live in Orange County, five kids, all have been in private school. I, I, I drive nice cars, many of them given to me. I, we've been to Hawaii, I've said this a number of times, didn't pay for any of the trips. I can't afford not to go to Hawaii, I've got to give. Come on, a little light there, I just want to change the tone a little bit. I am blown away. I'm blown away by small things. This week, I'm meeting with someone, and, and there's a, a need, and, 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 he, and this person goes, here's some cash. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm just here to hang out. Here's some cash. I'm like, no, no, no. He's like, no. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm blown away by God's faithfulness. Can't afford not to. Uh, number four, others. Galatians 5, for you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We, because of God's faithfulness and because of obedience, we personally have given, I think it's three cars to families. Just sold ours, not really knowing what we were going to do. And one, she didn't like the car, the van anyway, so she was probably happy. Um, but, and, and given to a family, and then watching God do just miraculous things. Giving to, to families that, that have needs. People it, homeless that need a hotel. What, others. That's what we're here for is others. To preach the gospel to others. And that has to do with my emotion, my intellect, my finance, everything that I have. Why do I give number five? I love watching God work. 
I love watching God work. Even when I'm an idiot, God is faithful. You want an example? You guys are terrible. Jeez, I thought you guys said, no, you're fine. Um, and I've told this before, so I'll, I'll tell it again. Even when you're a fool, and I was foolish, um, God was faithful. Here's the greatest example. I'm the idiot who bought a house in 2007. Yeah. Took all that we had saved, $1.2 million house that just crushed us. So much so that, <laughs> sorry, is this, gonna, is this bringing back too much? Okay. Like, locked out of our house, done. Going, we're going to have to live with Jim and Shirley. Oh, God, have mercy. <laughs> we can't do this. Can't do this to them or my family. And literally, the day it all ha happened, I called a buddy who, not knowing, I just said, hey, I just, I need, not asking for help, nothing. He said, hey, that's interesting. I just bought this house back in the, uh, uh, where was it? In uh, West Side Coast of Mesa. It has a view of the ocean. Um, I'm not going to live in it. I'm going to live in my other house. Do you guys want to just move in there? Like what? I, 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 oh, it's God's faithfulness. I, I'm blown away. I lived in that house for almost a year. And another family in the church is like, hey, we have this house over here. We'd love for it. I'm, I'm blown away by God's faithfulness. Look, two distinct times I've got kids in private school. And, and on a Monday, the, 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 the money's due for private school. And uh, I remember one was like $18,000. I'm like, okay, God, here's the deal. Either you want my kids in public school, which I'm all right with. Um, but if you want them in this school, pri private school, I, I, I don't know what to do. And as I said, you pay for that which you order. And I think you've called my kids to be here in this school. It's Friday. Monday's coming. I go to church. This happened two times. Businessman walks up to me. God told me to give this to you. $20,000 check. No idea what's going on in my life. And he hands me a check. Are you kidding me? I can't afford not to tithe, and I love watching God do what he does. Uh, our, our, our family was growing. We needed a new car. And someone just blessed us, not with a car, with a Mercedes Sprinter van. Are you kidding me? So when you judged me about driving a Mercedes, back on you. It was a gift. That's just mind-blowing to me. I watch God's goodness. And I love watching God work. And so many things has happened through this trusting him. Doesn't mean that it's easy. But I trust him. And I watch him. This summer, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you and me around three things, three to-dos. I'm challenging you around food, meals with others, around the conversation at your table with whomever it is. I'm challenging you around giving. So much so, I believe in this, that I've 
done this in the past and I've seen this and this is, it's, some people say it's just hokey, but whatever. I'm willing to say this to you. If, if you're willing to step out and believe God, I'll give you a 90-day money-back guarantee. That just sounds crazy. But I, I, I literally will take, and, and I'm going to, next week is our week, and we're going to fill out cards. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. And, and in that commitment uh, with the, the dinner and then the, what we're going to talk about next week and with giving, um, it, it, those who make that commitment, I literally will put that money aside for 90 days and won't touch it. And if in 90 days you come back and go, ah, that's a lie. God didn't bless me and I lost everything and, you know, and, and you know. But if you come back to me and you say that and you, you're wasting it on, you know, hookers and cocaine, I can't help you. I'm not giving it back, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I believe, I believe. I haven't said hooker in church in a long time. That just kind of felt good. Um, I, I just, I, I so believe in this principle of giving that money back guarantee. And I'm asking you to go here. This is what I'm, I'm saying, be specific. This is what I make. Here's 10%. That's very specific. Before, after uh, the government takes care, I don't care. Deal with that, however you will. But it's an, an issue. Remember, it's a heart issue. So over the next week, I'm asking you to just pray. Pray. Set your heart right. To see. To act and then trust. See what God might do. See what God might do. It's this be-do tension of, of being a Christian and, and doing as God asks. You know, it's easy to say, yes, Jesus. But does your life play it out? Nah, not always. I get it. I get it. But is there enough evidence to convict you as a Christian? Is there enough evidence to convict you as a Christian? The other thing I want to do, because I think um, is... June 5th, I want to have a family meeting here after church. I don't think general Sunday church where we have visitors and friends and stuff is the time to talk about and show you budgets and facility and all that stuff. But on the 5th, if you would like, I'll be here. I want to invite anybody who wants, has any questions, and I'll, I'll show you the budget. I'll show you our numbers, where we're at. Um, but I, I don't think it's a, a, something we do on Sunday mornings, but it's something that is important. So I would love to invite you into that conversation on uh, two Sundays from now, immediately following church. Love to have you uh, be a part of that. Whoa, what happened to my notes there? So as we're finished pretty much now, um, well, um, look, here's a couple ways that you can give online pacificpointchurch.com are those fine, fine cork beer, you know, holders. You can shoot this, this scan code on the back of those and that will allow you to do it. Those are ways that you can give. I am committed to, and I'm, I'm working, and I need accountability from my wife and Melvin and others to, to uh, this giving and, and talking about it because I think it's an important part of the Christian life. And when I don't, I'm not giving you the whole picture but I am committed to this. So um, uh, let's stay in this place that we've talked about, which is this, word, prayer, worship, and day. That, that on a daily basis, we're in God's word, we're praying and we're worshiping. And then let's see what God might do. 
Let's see what God might do. We're going to roll in as the band comes up into this next part of communion. This is an attitude of, of worship. You can leave. Oh, you want to move that? Oh, good. Thank you, guys. Um, we'll stay in that, that attitude. Really, the reality is that... Uh, there's egg on the floor. That's a reality. The reality is that... Um, you guys thought I was going to eat it, didn't you? Some of you were like seriously thought I was going to eat it. still eating back there. I love it. The reality is this. Giving is an act of worship. It's going, oh God, thank you for what you've given me. Oh God, it's all yours. Oh God, help me be a better steward. Oh, the plant's hungry. Oh God, help me. And it's, it's worshiping with what God has given me. So as we go into this time of worship through communion, um, it's a time to examine our lives. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you this morning, this is a time that before you receive um, I, I want you to examine and go, if, if, if money is something that owns you, if money is something that just controls you, if it's something you're always worried about, if keeping is something that binds you up, if all the, whatever I've spoken of, if God is speaking to you, before you receive this, just reconcile in your heart. For some of us, it's just repentance. God, forgive me. Forgive me for worrying. Forgive me for holding on to this. And then you take it to the cross. And he laid at the foot of the cross. And the Bible says this, which blows my mind. It says that, that, that he, he takes our sins and he washes them away and he remembers them no more, Isaiah 58. And he heals. And Jesus said this, when the night that he was betrayed, he took the, the, the bread and, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you said receive this in remembrance of me and before you do just examine your heart today and then receive the bread that same night he took the, the wine that represented his blood so good it's so it's just this this wine represents the washing i walk out of here free no guilt no condemnation look if you haven't given to god when you walk out of here and you have no guilt no condemnation but in the power of the holy spirit he changes us and he says he took the wine and he says when you come together like this remember me remember what i did on the cross Father, we thank you. You are good. God, everything that I have is yours. My relationships, my job, my finances, my friends. God, it's all yours. Let me steward it well to honor you that you might show yourself to others. God, I thank you for your son who died on the cross that I might have life. We celebrate that this morning. In Jesus' precious name. We